Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. Hello, Happy New Year. Hope you're well and had a good Christmas. We're back with the Kent Online podcast covering the biggest stories across the county. And today we're able to reveal that a mum from Dover who's been locked up for child cruelty is a convicted killer. Nicola joins me now with more on this story. And Nicola, this is a case that's been heard at Canterbury Crown Court. Yes, that's right. Nicole Tobin and her former boyfriend, Alex Earl Selvan, have been on trial after her child was found to have suffered multiple broken bones. We're not allowed to identify the child, but they're said to have been the victim of at least six episodes of violence. They'd suffered a fractured collarbone, ribs, vertebrae, thigh bone, wrist and toe. The 36 and 34-year-olds denied responsibility, but were each found guilty of three charges of causing or allowing serious physical harm to a child. And Tobin's previous conviction has now come to light. That's right. While the jury weren't told about it at the time of their deliberations, we can now reveal Tobin stabbed a man to death when she was just 15. It happened at a Pontins holiday camp in 2002 when a man was fighting with her brother after raising concerns over how much alcohol she'd been drinking. She admitted manslaughter on the grounds of diminished responsibility and was sentenced to two years. And what sentence is she and her former partner serving now? Well, Tobin, who's from Herbert Street and Earl Selven, who's 30 and from Squires Way have been sent to prison for six and a half years each. During sentencing, the judge said their actions would potentially have lifelong consequences on the child. And even while being led away, Tobin maintained her innocence. Thanks, Nicola. Kent Online reports. The government's been accused of being misleading after announcing they've cleared a backlog of asylum claims. They reckon they've met their target early after processing more than 112,000 applications last year. But Labour says 17,000 people have simply disappeared as they wait for a final decision. Home Secretary James Cleverley insists ministers are working hard to tackle the issue. I mean, unsurprisingly, if people think they're going to be unsuccessful, Sometimes they slip out of the system. Sometimes they return home. Sometimes they slip into illicit working, which is one of the reasons why we've increased the number of raids on uh, illegal employment. A man's died in hospital a month after being knocked down in Gillingham. He'd been walking along Pier Road when it happened near the junction with Marina's View on November 24th. Police say he passed away on Christmas Eve. Investigators now want to hear from anyone with dash cam footage. Two teenagers have been taken to a London hospital after a stabbing in Gravesend Town Centre. Violence is said to have broken out near Pilots Place and Bentley Street in the early hours of yesterday. The 15 and 18-year-olds' injuries are not thought to be life-threatening. Police say an investigation is ongoing. A man's been charged following reports of a machete attack in a village near Rochester. Police were called to Hermitage Road in Higham on Saturday and a man was found to have suffered a cut to his hand. A 62-year-old is due in court. It's understood they know each other. Three men have been arrested after a police chase led to a crash on the A2 near Gravesend. It's understood up to 10 cars were damaged during the pursuit yesterday afternoon. Officers were following a vehicle that was thought to have been stolen. No one was hurt and the men are being questioned on suspicion of theft. 
A Ramsgate man who lost control of his car while drink driving has been banned from getting behind the wheel for more than two years. A court heard Daniel Jones crossed a roundabout, hit a lamppost and swerved down a bank at the side of the A256 in Dover in September. The 47-year-old from Nelson Crescent has also been ordered to do 150 hours of unpaid work. An estranged dad from Tunbridge Wells who messaged his son on Facebook over Christmas has appeared in court for breaching a restraining order. Zane Goebel sent his 18-year-old son emotional voice notes as well as tagging his boy in Facebook posts. The 49-year-old from Somerset Road was banned from contacting them after being convicted of harassment a decade ago. He'll be sentenced in February. Kent Online News. An amber weather warning for wind has been in force in part of Kent today. It covers the very north of the county with everyone else under a yellow alert. The Met Office have officially named it Storm Henk and say gusts of up to 80 miles per hour are likely to cause disruption. Flood alerts have also been issued as heavy rain continues. Now, figures seen by Kent Online show people have forked out a total of nearly £5 million in parking fees at Kent's hospitals in the space of a year. Every NHS trust in the county still charges patients and staff for parking, despite Boris Johnson promising to scrap it in the Tories' 2019 election manifesto. Bosses say money made is invested back into maintaining and operating the car parks. Elsewhere, it's feared plans to start charging for on-street parking in West Malling could kill off businesses. Council bosses say new rules would bring the town in line with the rest of the borough, but there are concerns about the impact on traders and parents on the school run. A consultation's running until Sunday. A young woman from Ashford who was given just 12 weeks to live three years ago says she's grateful for the time she's had. Charmaine Janon was diagnosed with a rare brain tumour in 2020 after falling ill at work. She's gone on to defy medics and says she plans to continue making memories. Our reporter Sam Lennon's been speaking to Charmaine and her mum Janice. She has a um, glioblastoma uh, multiform of the palms, which is a very rare brain tumour that is connected to your palms um, where all your nervous systems and and all your signals from your brain go tell your body what to do. What's the prognosis by the doctors? Well, her prognosis in 2020 was 12 weeks. Um, But obviously she's she's outlived that and it's just really day-to-day. We just go day-to-day with however she is. So there's not really a prognosis at all. It's just how she how she's managing and how she's going and just keeping her uh, comfortable. Uh, because is, is there no chance of any further treatment to, to deal with this? No, no, no more treatment at all. Yeah, she's had all her treatment. How do you cope with the situation like this? We just live every day as it comes. We just mm-hmm. take every day as it comes. That's all we can do. What would you both say to I mean to anybody else who's got such a serious illness? Make memories. Um, keep making plans. Um, keep doing what you love. Yeah, keep doing what you love. Um, don't give up, basically. Be be positive. Um, yeah, and just keep making plans and have that zest for life still. Just don't give up. Yeah. And having, um, since the, the diagnosis of terminal was so long ago and that uh, you survived uh, so, so well, Charmaine, so, so long, does that give you hope? It does. Yeah. yeah. Makes me appreciate 
everything on the wall. Yeah. There was so much And you can read Sam's report in full by heading to the website. Kent Online reports. Neighbours have criticised plans for a new block of flats on the former overflow car park at Canterbury West Railway Station. Developers want to build 56 apartments on Station Road West, just metres from the train line. Residents are worried it'll create more traffic, noise and block out sunlight. Highways bosses have raised concerns about plans for 240 new homes in Medway. Developers have submitted proposals for a 30-acre site near Ratcliffe Highway in Who. National Highways are worried about how close it is to the M2 and say they need further information about accidents in the area. Plans have been put forward for the next phase of Kent's biggest self-build housing estate. Developers behind Orchard Farm Project in the Kennington part of Ashford have already got permission for 25 homes. They're now seeking approval for 97. A homeless charity in Canterbury is hoping to help more people this year after being given funding by the government. Catching Lives are getting £57,000 to help meet a growing demand for critical services. Kate's been chatting to Tasmin Maitland, who's the charity's chief exec. Numbers have been going up all year. So this time last year, we were seeing maybe an average of 25 or 26 people a day. Now we're up to 31. Um, Some days we're seeing 40, in excess of 40 people a day. So we're definitely seeing an increase in demand And that's people who are sleeping rough, people who are hidden homeless and people who are really struggling in their housing. Have you been getting any sense of why you why there's been an increase, why so many more people are struggling? In the cost of living crisis, inflation, the cost of food, bills, um, the lack of housing supply as well. It's just really difficult for people to find housing once they're homeless. It's really hard for people to pay for the housing that they've got and to stay on top of things. So people are having to make really difficult decisions about whether to heat their home or buy food. So they're coming to us to try and get support. And we try and help people to resolve the underlying problem. So whether that's an issue with finding housing or sorting out problems with benefits or income um, or access to healthcare, and also just meeting those immediate needs so we can help people feel okay on the day. What will the money enable you to do for these people? So when they do come to you, is this money going to be spent um, providing food or shelter or helping them to get medical uh, attention or all of the above? So in previous years, Catching Lives has run a winter shelter and provided emergency accommodation. This year, we couldn't afford to do that. And that's been really difficult. So we've had um, a fundraising appeal and we've had a really great success in raising money to help us run our day provision. And we're also extending to evening provision. And this new money from um, DCMS and Lottery will help us to do that. So we'll be able to deliver our day center open drop in every day. And then which would normally be from nine until two. And we'll be able to extend that into the evenings to eight o'clock. So we're finalizing the details, but we're going to be open in the evenings as well. So when it's really cold and dark, people will have somewhere to be a warm, safe space, providing a you know basic hot meal in the evenings, um, some activities, some support and, you know, just somewhere for people to feel safe and feel OK. That was going to be my next question, actually, because we are moving into well, we are into winter and um, we've got another couple of cold and dark months ahead of us. Why is it so important that you're able to offer this service now in sort of the, the darkest, coldest times of the year? 
I think, you know, homelessness is an issue all year round. And I think it's important to remember that it's, you know, a constant crisis for people. Um, and we're working with people every day of the year. But in winter in particular, the fact it is dark and cold, the weather's a lot worse. It's a real struggle for people to stay warm and dry. People with health conditions often find those are getting worse because they're not able to, um, you know, to access healthcare, to access uh a safe warm place to sleep to have access to washing facilities all of those basic things so we're able to provide that support so people can you know feel okay have those basics and then we can help them to make changes as well and people often say to us there's there's nowhere else to go a lot of places can't open every day so we're really trying to keep that seven day opening particularly at the weekends uh people tell us there's just nowhere else that they can be you know if you've got all these hours to fill in your day and you don't have a home to go to it's really difficult for people just to stay occupied to stay focused not to become depressed so being able to offer the extra hours and offer this kind of friendly space where people can you know do activities um take part in conversations there's a bit of social networking there's uh board games there's table tennis there's film club you know all of that stuff as well as the practical support alongside it so hopefully it just makes it a bit easier for people to get through winter um yeah so last year we were able to offer evening openings from december to february this year it will be from january to march so starting slightly later because we needed to raise the funds first but now we've got that money we're able to stay open until the end of march so we're really pleased uh, to be able to offer that service they were recently forced to scrap their winter shelter for rough sleepers because of a lack of finances. The council stepped in to run it instead. Kent Online News. Three fire engines have been called to Swalecliff near Hearn Bay after a caravan and car caught alight. No one was hurt when the blaze broke out near Morris Avenue in the early hours of yesterday. And there's a warning to be careful when charging electric bikes after a fire on the Isle of Sheppey. Emergency crews were called to a house on Minster Road when a blaze broke out on New Year's Eve. Two people breathed in a small amount of smoke, but there were no other injuries. Now head to the Canterbury pages of Kent Online to see inside a former pub that's been turned into a vintage tea room. The 17th century Royal Oak in Upstreet is now known as the Spitfire after being revamped by a man who used to run a wartime-themed cafe in Hythe. He'd taken on the lease in 2019, but the pub was no longer viable after the pandemic. And in case you missed it over New Year, a Kent boy who needed his legs amputated after being abused by his birth parents has been awarded a British Empire medal. Tony Hudgel was the youngest person to feature in the King's New Year's Honours list. The nine-year-old from King's Hill is recognised for the work he's done to increase sentences for child cruelty cases. Our reporter Joe Crossley has been chatting to Tony and his adoptive mum, Paula. So, Tony, tell me how you feel about receiving the award. Um, I feel happy, excited, and really, um, how would you describe Yeah, yeah, I'm proud. There you go. <laughs> I forgot what the word was. And Paula, tell, tell me a bit about how you feel. Yeah, immensely proud, as always, of Tony. You know, he never ceases to amaze us. Um, his zest for life and, um, yeah, just blown away. I mean, just such such a legacy for him. Uh, and just tell me a little bit, Matt Ingby, about how much money you've raised for it, what you've done um, over the last year. 1.9 million. You've raised a lot of money, haven't you? For, mainly for the Evelina Children's Hospital. Yeah. Um, 
but also now for some other charities as well yeah. and for the Tony Hudgel Foundation. So you've done amazing, you know, yeah. nine years old and already raised nearly two million pounds. And what sorts of things has Tony done during that time to raise the money? And, and what's been your favourite thing, Tony, that you've you've enjoyed the most? Climbing a mountain with two of my friends, Harry Bidamaga and this person called Jack. And what, what else have you done? You've done your walking, have not you? My walking lockdown. Your Christmas present appeal. Yes. Yeah, so. You've done lots of things, haven't you? Yeah. Always, always raising money for children less fortunate than you. And mum, what? How does it feel for you to see mm. that Tony's the youngest person to to receive the award? Yeah, uh, I mean that that's totally blown us away. <laughs> um, to find out he's the youngest ever to receive that award, you were really surprised as well, wasn't you? Mm. Um, and you know, just shows what you know. He might only be nine years old, and he might have had the worst start in life, but just shows what what absolutely is possible um and it's just the the kindness of the nation behind tony all the way through they're always your you know always singing your praises and helping you along the way with whatever you decide to do don't they tony yeah <laughs> kent online sport Football and Gillingham have got their new year off to a winning start after beating Colchester United 1-0. It's their second win in a row and leaves them 10th in the League 2 table. Gillingham's assistant coach Robbie Stockdale spoke to reporters after the match. It's always a very difficult game, the, the last one in this block, because you've got a lot of tired bodies and um, obviously it's, a, it's very strenuous on the players. We picked up a couple of injuries in the week, so a couple of changes to the start in 11. Um, and the first half, I thought it was it was fairly even. I thought, you know, in terms of chances, we had the better of them. Um, they had one really good chance that the, the boy missed on the back stick. But apart from that, it was really a counter-attack that we sort of worried about. We spoke at half-time about increasing our intensity and the, the tempo of our play. And to be honest, the first 20, 25 minutes of the second half, I thought we were very good. Um, probably should have scored more than the one goal that we did. Um, and dominated that. And then, obviously, they're going to have a spell in the game at some point at 1-0. And, you know, I thought we defended very well. We always a touch nervous. When the score was 1-0, it, it, it takes a deflected shot or a set piece to make it 1-1. Did you feel we may need the second goal? I think you're always wanting the second goal, don't you? Um, but it, it, in relative terms, I, I felt comfortable in the way that we were defending. The substitutes came on and applied themselves very well. We slightly changed formation to, to see it out at the end and possibly could have scored another on the counter-attack ourselves. So um, a clean sheet away from home. Um, and again, it's, it's getting us in the right direction. Where I think we've still got a lot, lot more to come from this group of players. I really do. Um, you know, you win a couple of games. I don't think we're anywhere near the finished article of what the, the players are capable of. On the back of probably a, a couple of results, we should have done better. I didn't think we were as bad as everybody thinks we are. So it's a work in progress. Um, like you said, the effort from the players is fantastic. Slight change of shape in the last two or three games, and they really took it on board. Just, just under a 1,000 Gillingham fans here today, 998 in total. They were fantastic from start to finish and applauded you off. Where, where was the other two to make it 1,000? <laughs> no, and a series not brilliant. You know when um, when the players need a little lift, and, and everybody does, don't they? And they were there. They were there backing them really loud, as they were for the home game a couple of days ago. And it's a two-way thing. We need to give them something to shout about as well. Um, 
so it's a two-way thing and I thought both sides today did themselves really proud and hopefully they've gone home happy. Defender Scott Malone scored again in yesterday's game. It's his second goal in two matches and he's feeling confident with their position. It's been a good period for us. Um, we can get better, we can play better. The pitch didn't help us today, it was heavy, it was wet. Part of it was waterlogged but both teams got to play on it. Um, yeah, two clean sheets, two and two, it is my goal. Um, it was a shot, it went in. Um, so yeah, we're, we're enjoying it at the minute. Absolutely. How, how do you sum up the festive period? I think seven points from, from 12 games. How would you kind of reflect on it? Point to points, aren't they? Um, we're moving back up the league. I think we were what, a point off playoffs now. Mm-hmm. Still 10th, but it was three points before before the start of the day, and now it's a point, so we're going in the right direction. Um, you can't complain with seven from 12. A few good performances. I think we had, what, 40 shots in the last yeah, two games or something? Um, we can get more on target and we can score more, but hopefully if we keep getting the chances, we'll score more. Like you say you've been in and around the playoffs before, you know yep. what it takes to get into them, doesn't yep. it? You, you yep. see this in this squad? Yeah, I do, yeah. Um, I mean, what, I touched on it, four, what is it, 40 shots in two games. We're not scoring enough, we know that, but we're creating an awful lot of chances. Um, we need to start taking them more regularly. Um, if we score goals with our defensive record as well, um, everyone puts a shift in. If, if you score more than the opposition, you win. And I think we'll, we'll get there eventually. I know you're defending, you like clean sheets, but there's nothing better than scoring the winner, is there? No, it's not, no. Um, scored a fair few, fair few in my career, but um, it's always nice. I mean, am I meant to score goals? Probably at wing-back, not a left-back, but yeah, it's always, it's always nice with the net. Gillingham are in FA Cup action this weekend when they host Premier League side Sheffield United in the third round. And in tennis, Kent's Emma Raducanu has won her first match after almost nine months out injured. She beat Romania's Elena Gabriela Russe in three sets at the Auckland Open. The 21-year-old from Orpington says it's good to be back after recovering from operations on both her wrists and an ankle. I'm grateful to be able to move my body, not like bedridden or, you know, in a wheelchair. So it's pretty amazing to just be out here and playing and... um, I'm just really happy to be back on the tour and, and carry on, hopefully injury-free and healthy. She'll play Alina Svitolina in the next round. That's all from us today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, X, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. You can also get details on the top stories directed to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.